0: Hey, hey, ho, ho, Roe v. Wade has got to. And oh, never mind, it's already gone. In unbelievable news, Roe v. Wade and its ugly stepchild, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, have both been overruled and struck down. It was pointed out if you're under 50 years old, like me, this is the first week where Roe was not the backdrop of the cult of death that plagued this nation. This is really, truly unbelievable news that I've personally hoped and prayed for for years, and I know many of you have as well, and I was unsure if I would ever actually see this happen. While I'm alive, or at least soon, all praise to Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus did this. Jesus accomplished this to save people, especially in this instance, babies. Today, we'll look at two other incredible Supreme Court cases that dropped in the last week that could have additional far-reaching implications. In addition to this Roe case, the Supreme Court has ruled on a school choice case in Maine and a concealed carry case in New York that help our freedom. Welcome to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome back to Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard, and I am your host today and every day. Really, I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I know you've probably already heard most of the things that are going on, but I want to bring you some information, some help, some clarity as we look at these cultural events these current events from a Christian perspective, because I just don't see a lot of that in the news. There is obviously the mainstream news that is not going to give you a Christian perspective. Then there is the conservative news, which sometimes gives you the hint of, or perhaps you'd rather say the shadow of, uh, some Christian perspective, but really they base their identity, they base their thoughts and feelings and attitudes and reflections on a conservative, but not necessarily a Christian value. So I want to help you understand both from a Christian value and then that leads into generally a conservative value as we look at these current events, because there's just not a lot of people out there doing that, and I want to help you in any way that I can. But really, that's the secondary goal for me. The primary goal is for you to find and follow Jesus Christ. So if you haven't already, open up Romans and start reading through it. Open up John and start reading through it in the Bible and and follow after Jesus. If you have questions about that, you can even message me directly. I'd be happy to talk to you about Jesus. I love doing that. Two current events, I want to help you go out into the world. That's why it's church and public. You need to be in a family that follows after Jesus. You need to be in a church that follows after Jesus. And then sometimes, whether you want to or not, you're probably going to have to go outside and talk to other humans. How do we do that? How do we do that in these crazy times? Well, that's what I want to try and help you with and then understand all of the craziness that's going on in and around our lives. That's my goal. That's my help. That's my hope as we move on. So if you haven't already and this helps you, like this content and subscribe to it. Hit that little notification bell so you know these new episodes come out. And if it's interesting to you and you might think it's interesting to somebody else, share it with somebody. Text it, email it, send it by, you know, write something on a letter and put it in this thing called an envelope. And you have to seal it, sometimes the licky kind, sometimes the sticky kind. You have to put a stamp on the front. I had to teach my kids that lesson because it doesn't go anywhere without a stamp and send it. But if you do that, chances are they'll never get it because they'll get lost in the mail. Anyway, that was a diatribe on something that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I am glad that you are here today, and we want to talk about the Supreme Court of the United States of America. So we're going to get to Roe in a few minutes, but I wanted to check out a couple of other cases that are actually important to freedom as well. If you really want to hear about Roe, feel free to use that fast-forward button and get, uh, you know, two-thirds through or something like that. But... We're going to talk about some things that you might want to hear about. You may be interested in these other two stories as well. And anyway, I hope that you are. The first is a case out of New York regarding concealed carry. This is a New York concealed carry ruling that the Supreme Court came out about a week ago Thursday on some longtime restrictions New York has had on carrying concealed firearms. They said, the state of New York said, that carrying concealed firearms is not possible unless you have. Some burden of proof that says you need it. You need to prove to the state that you need this, that your life is in danger or something or other. It was very unclear and very difficult to get a concealed carry permit, especially in light of the increasing violence in cities and states like New York and other cities and states. I'm not going to mention those right here, but if you live there, you know where you are and you've seen these things happening. So the concealed carry, I was just reading in another thing that. It's gone up something like 700% in America because people don't feel safe. I could even tell personal stories where I was in a place, and I, I have police officer friends. I, I appreciate the work that they do, and I've been in situations where even if I had called, even if I had something going on, they wouldn't have been able to get there in time. And that's the point. Who takes care of you when other people can't get there in time? You are the person who is in charge of your safety, so what are you going to do about it? New York has said, well, no, you're not allowed to do that. Now the Supreme Court has come in a week ago Thursday and said this ban um, violates Americans' Second and Fourteenth Amendment rights. The High Court ruled 6-3 to three in favor of gun rights in the case of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. The court heard oral arguments in the case in November, and the court's conservative majority appeared to lean towards dismissing New York's restrictions at that time, and then Thursday's decision affirmed that. This is the widest expansion of gun rights in more than a decade, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I'll give you a little more history. In 1911, New York state law said that you have a condition, uh, conditioned right to conceal carry permit on, quote, good moral character and, quote, proper cause, whatever those are. How do you prove those? That's the question, right? The Supreme Court majority opinion written by Justice Clarence Thomas said, This unlawfully forces New Yorkers to demonstrate, quote, a special need for self-defense. He goes on to say, We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. He continues on. I love Clarence Thomas, by the way. That is not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of religion. Let's pause there in his statement for a moment. He's exactly right. Do you have to ask for permission to say the things that you want to say? No, of course you don't. And that is the basis of the First Amendment. That's important. It's important because if you had to ask for things that other people don't approve of, you would never be able to say anything. And as an aside, that's what's going on in big tech right now. If you say something they don't like, it just disappears. This is a problem, but not the problem of the day. So he goes on to say it's not how the Sixth Amendment. So he says it's not how the First Amendment operates. It's not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witnesses against him. And it's not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense. This was Thomas's uh, writing about this issue. So this is a big win as we have seen violence in New York, other cities, skyrocket over the course of the last years with leftist district attorneys either not prosecuting crimes, or releasing criminals with very low to no sentencing, while at the same time penalizing law-abiding citizens by not allowing them to protect themselves from the very criminals the government apparently won't prosecute. So, in the second SCOTUS, uh, Supreme Court I was talking to somebody and they had no idea what SCOTUS meant. Anyway, in the second SCOTUS case we review today, this may be the biggest win for religious liberty in a long time, and this comes out of Maine. Now, Admittedly, I've never been to Maine. Some of you probably have been to Maine. Some of you may have been from Maine. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. But according to World News, the Supreme Court sides with parents on school choice in Maine. So last Tuesday, the United States Supreme Court held the state of Maine cannot discriminate against parents who choose religious schools for their children. This decision is monumental um, in the battle for school choice as it reflects an argument the governments can discriminate against religious organizations in the provision of public benefits based on religious use. Instead, the court clarified such discrimination is just as unconstitutional as discrimination based on religious character or status, according to World News. So you have Supreme Ch- Court Chief Justice John Roberts, who said, quote, M- uh, Maine's non-sectarian requirement for its otherwise generally available tuition assistance payments violate the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment, end quote. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what's going on here. That was like a lot of Supreme Court language, so I want to unpack that for you for a moment. Maine is a very spread out state and apparently doesn't have schools close enough for all the children to get the education that their parents want. So for decades, the state of Maine has said, parents, you can go to whatever school you want and the money, the funding for the student, will follow to the school that you want to send them. This is a great thing. I think this should be possible in all states. That's another topic for another day. But the state of Maine said, this is a thing. We will give you money to go to the school of your choice. But there was an asterisk there that said, except if your school is religious, then you can't go because that's separating or crossing the line between the separation of church and states and we won't fund religious education and blah, 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 whatever. So this went to the high court, to the Supreme Court. Um, According to World News, The main program puts religious schools and families that choose them in an unworkable situation. Parents must either forego otherwise generally available benefits and pay tuition at a religious school. And by the way, if you haven't checked this out already, often that is quite a lot of money. Or send their children to a secular school that does not meet their educational goals for their child. And I would add in, or faith goals. This is what I talk about here a lot. It may be something that you think about as well. If you want your children educated in a certain value system, in a certain moral system, and I would say in a certain faith system, then the government-funded school is not the school for you. That school is not interested in your values. It's not interested in your morals. It is definitely not interested in your faith. And We have seen that. I've reported on that over and over in schools that do wacky things, some would say immoral things, and definitely anti-religious things. So, these parents who want to send their children to schools that match their values, their morals, and their faith are disallowed from doing that in the state of Maine, though other people can send their kids to any school that they want, and the state will pay for it. So, to go on in the World News article, for the religious schools in the state to be eligible in the program, they must abandon their religious mission. See, that's a problem. (laughs) If you're telling a school that is religious, you can't be religious if you want to receive state funds which many states and schools are told, then that's a problem. But here's the core of the argument to the state of Maine. A- and this is why it's different than other states, but it also may have implications in other states. We'll get to that in a second. You don't have to provide funding for schools. States don't have to do that. Most states don't do that. Most states don't provide funding to, other, uh, to the students to go to school. I know. I've checked. I would like that. But the Supreme Court said, since you do provide funding to students for schools, you cannot deny the students the choice of where to put that funding, even if that funding goes to a religious school that meets the values and morals and faith of the parents that want to send their children to that schools. This is a really, really big decision, and I'm not honestly seeing it reported very much, but it's something that we need to take note of, especially as parents, especially parents with children that are school-age. We need to understand that this is a really good decision in the midst of a lot of weird and bad school things going on across the country that may, and we don't know yet, but it may have implication into other states. We'll see what happens with that. So in accordance with the ruling, six of the justices wrote the mission of religious education in favorable terms, saying, quote, educating young people in their faith, inculcating teachings and training them to live their faith and responsibilities that lie at the very core of the mission of a private religious school the court explained. I totally agree with that. That's the point of sending your child to a school that agrees with your values because the school is going to teach morals and values. This is something that I just have had a bunch of conversations and I've seen a bunch of articles about recently that people think that if you you raise your kid right, your 8-year-old, your 10-year-old, and you send them into a school that the school is going to support and uphold your values and your kid will come back the same. And my pushback against that would be the school is going to inculcate the values of the state. That is what a government school is going to do, unless it's a religious school, in which case they will inculcate the values of that religion. This is the difference. If you send your child to a government funded school, the government is going to fund the, the values and the faith of the government. This is just reality, and we're seeing the evidence of this, and we're seeing the results of this in children and in culture all across America. Again, I bring you lots of those stories. So some parents are saying no, and by and large, a lot of parents across America are currently saying, no, I don't want this for my children. So they send them to different schools. That's the difference there. And that's what this win for the Supreme Court of the United States of America, as they ruled in this means for at least some students. The SCOTUS blog also noted, and here's something to, to, to mention, while this will only uh, affect fewer than 5,000 students in Maine, this is according to SCOTUS blog, the court's eventual decision could have a significant impact on public funding for religious education well beyond the state's border. That's an important point, and it's an important point to note that This is something that we could see affected across different states. And I hope that it is, because I think you, as the parent, should have a lot of uh, input into how your child is raised and in what (laughs) values and morals and, of course, faith. If you can't do that now, I just pray that you can and find a way that you can, because I believe, I was going to say, I believe the children of the future. That's a weird song, but the point is that is also true. You, as the parent, are, are uh, charged with the stewardship of your child, teaching them in the values and the morals and the faith. And I hope that you're able to do that in various ways. Okay, finally, finally, the biggest story of the day, Roe. Roe is over. This is huge. If you haven't heard this already, I mean, this is the most enormous thing ever. Uh, everybody that I've talked to so far has already heard this, so I hope that you had already. If not, uh, praise God. Um, this is a moment to praise God. Roe has been overturned. Uh, so Roe and its ugly stepchild, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, have been overturned by the Supreme Court of Mississippi versus Dobbs case. According to most, the ruling is very similar to the draft that was released previously. Uh, actually, the draft that was leaked previously is a better way to say it to intimidate Supreme Court justices, which we've talked about, where one person even apparently was going to attempt to murder Uh, Justice Kavanaugh and perhaps his family in an effort to intimidate him and the other justices into changing their votes, which they didn't, which I'm very glad for. So this ruling is very similar to that leaked draft. Justice Alito wrote in both, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak and its decision had damaging consequences. He wrote that in both versions. Uh, That is an understatement with 60 million estimated children who were killed by abortion, perhaps more than that, over the past uh, five decades, going back to 1973 when it was first installed. Um, That's an understatement. Damaging consequences, 60 million plus children. That's just an unbelievable number. It's an unthinkable number. As even Stalin said, one person is a tragedy, but... A million is a statistic. We can't even fathom what 60 million children killed is. That's why this is a really hard thing to talk about and why there's all these euphemisms on the other side saying, well, it's not really a child. No, it is. Every single time. So included in the ruling and not the draft was Alito's response to the dissenting justices. And I think this is interesting. He says, quote, the dissent is very candid in that it cannot show that a constitutional right to abortion has any foundation, let alone a deeply rooted one in this nation's history and tradition that's an important point i listened to and read a bit of the dissent um i'll talk about that in a second but but they don't reference the constitution at all like they just don't reference the constitution at all they re- re- represent uh, uh you know they they talk about the precedent they talk about culture they don't talk about the constitution because it is not in there and you cannot find it again i've said this before but just go find it. I'll wait. I would say, to save you some time, if some of the uh, best justices in the nation on the Supreme Court couldn't find it, perhaps you won't either. That's just my two cents on that. He, uh, Alito continues, the dissent does not identify any pre row authority that supports any such a right, no state constitutional provision or statute, nor federal or state judicial precedent, not even a scholarly treatise, end quote. Again, just saying, It's not in there. The right to an abortion from the Constitution isn't in there. And you've seen many of the arguments coming out. That's not even an argument anymore because it's not an argument because it it literally is not there. Now, I am not going to go through the nitty gritty of this ruling. I would say, and I've, I've listened to several people go through all of the nitty gritty details of this. If you really want the nitty gritty details, the best I've heard to date is Ben Shapiro's ruling on the day that it came out. He went through almost line by line. I know he didn't do the whole thing because it's, I've, it's dozens and dozens of pages. But he went through the main uh, pertinent points and does a very good job of saying what they mean, what they are. And as a lawyer, I think he does a good job of it. It's a little bit thick, but that's the best one that I've heard. If you want to go and listen to that, you can find that on any of the podcast places. Um, so instead, what I want to do is talk about what this means and what this means for us and what this means for Christians and then what we do. Uh, I want to talk generally about what this means for those that believe human life is valuable and human life has inherent worth. The reason we looked at the gun ruling above, and I know some of you are pro-gun, some of you are anti-gun, uh, the point is guns protect private property, whether that is actual property or human life, because human life matter. And I hear all these arguments that guns kill people. We need to get rid of guns. The fact is that people kill people, and guns are incidental. Go back to Cain and Abel. The first murder in the Bible was committed with something like a rock. Then there are knives and bats and bare hands, and of course, guns and many other weapons. The reason guns are important to law-abiding citizens is to stop the bad guys. When there is a bad guy who is bigger and stronger and meaner and more determined than you, how do you protect yourself? Or worse, how do you protect your family? Sometimes you need assistance or a better tool. Not all of us are trained military soldiers or black belts whose hands are registered lethal weapons, and we need help. This is just the reality of the situation because human life is valuable, and this is what leads us back to Roe. Unborn babies are babies. That's the first thing. We need to continue to say and preach and teach and know based on science, the science of fertilization, the science from your 6th and 7th and 8th grade textbooks. Fertilization occurs at conception. That is a human life. Human life is human life. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you occur in the womb, whether you occur out of the womb, whether you occur in a nursing home and you can't remember who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. You're still a human. This is just not an argument. Every bit of actual science agrees with this. Then, of course, the Bible, because we're talking about Christianity. Psalm 139, Luke 1 through 2. I've given you a lot of other verses over the, over the weeks. The Bible says that human life is from God, and God knew you before you were born, and God knew who you were and who you were going to be. This is an important point to know and preach and teach and share with people because there is immense hope in that. And here is the hard one that people struggle to talk about and deal with. Regardless of the means of conception, a life is valuable and therefore has the right to live. While certain conceptions are immoral and illegal, like rape and incest and the like, this does not pass the guilt onto the baby. These immoral and illegal actions grieve God, the church, and they should grieve you. Yes, those people that commit these immoral and illegal actions should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. That is justice. But abortion is murder. Reason, the natural law, The Bible all show us that murder is a great evil. We all know this inherently, but somehow take that off the shelf and hide it when it comes to babies in the womb. It doesn't make sense to me, but we do this. So this decision is a huge win and should be celebrated by believers that hold value in human life. To continue on, I'm going to give the verse of the day early today. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but it is a terror to evildoers. I'm sorry, Proverbs 21.15. That's Proverbs 21.15. And that's what we're seeing all over America. And oddly, even Canada and France, which doesn't make sense to me since they don't reside in America, but I'm seeing protests all over the world because of what happened in America in the government. Again, doesn't make sense. But what we're seeing is violent protesters. I even saw a person with a flamethrower. They're throwing rocks. There is anger. There is bitterness. There is seething. And it is this last gasp to hold on to the power to murder without consequences. This is a time to celebrate. Celebrate the millions of lives that will be saved by this. And it is also a time to comfort. Comfort the confused. Comfort the hurting. Comfort the broken. Comfort those that don't know what to do and where to turn. And here is more good news. The church, Christians, are responsible for nearly all at least most of pregnancy centers and free clinics for mothers. If you want to get involved, if you want to do more, check your area for a pregnancy center. Give or volunteer. Check to see where your church already supports. In Texas, for instance, I just checked, and there's at least 164 pregnancy resource centers around this state alone. I'm sure your state has many as well. And just as an aside, I was looking at this the other day, and it's, it's curious to me. I have been told reliably, it has been reported reliably, even to Congress and the Senate, that for years we've been told Planned Parenthood does only 3% of their services as abortion. Only 3% of Planned Parenthood's services are abortion. And they do all these other things to help women. That's what we have all been told. But if this is true, why are Planned Parenthoods closing all over the country? Because I checked. Planned Parenthoods, their whole big buildings are closing all over the country. If only 3% was abortions and 97% of what they do, shouldn't that not make any difference to what they do? That's just a question. I'll leave it to you to find that answer. Now, those that want to have babies, they need Jesus. Those that are fighting and crying and yelling and screaming, they need Jesus. Our babies will be born and grow, and they need Jesus. Our job as Christians is to tell people about Jesus. So that's where I want to end. You can get into the nitty-gritty of the decision. You can get into the nitty-gritty of all of the things that are going on. There are a lot of, of, <laughs> of people protesting. There's violence. There's screaming. There are all sorts of issues, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon because people are so upset by their lack of ability to do what they want to do, which is an inherent push against God because if you say that someone else has control over you Then you're not allowed to do everything that you want to do. And that is just back to the selfishness that we all have that we want to be the God of our life. And God also wants to be the God of your life. And somewhere you got to decide that battle. That's the role of Jesus. That's the role of telling people about Jesus. So, my point in this is we need to celebrate because this is a huge win to save innocent lives. It's huge. And I understand that some people are really struggling with this. And I understand that it's really hard for some people and they need Jesus. Too. So go. Go out today. Go out celebrating what God has done and tell people about Jesus. Tell people how good Jesus is. And there is hope regardless of the circumstance, regardless how they even got to the circumstance. There is hope. And that's what we need to tell people. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. As Peter told us, this is the way. So for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and I pray that you keep the faith.